Passion, drive, and patience. That's the formula for winning championships and is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. They have superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much, much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, they've got it all ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins let's keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My mom couldn't get the top of the Tupperware off. It's, it's, so I'm like, it's, it's mom, a plastic just, container, by the way. <laughs> right. I know. But just squeeze the bottom and the top will pop off. Yeah. Travis is laughing. I mean, I get it, but I've never had trouble getting the lid off the Tupperware container before. Well, give my mom a break. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey guys, welcome to Actions Detrimental Daytona. Nighttime is the right time episode presented by our sponsor, Birch Gold Group. You can get a free kit on gold by texting Denny to 989898. I say nighttime was the right time because boy, it was hot during the day there. Oh my God. Uh, I, I made a, well, we, the team made a very bad decision. I think uh, I was thinking in the afternoon, Turned out fine at night, but I was we chose not to run a cool shirt uh, yesterday, and you know that decision's got to be made pretty early in the week. You kind of look at the temperature. Well, it's going to be night, eighty degrees, no problem. It was no problem, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a bit steamy. I did set a new record for myself for weight loss. You're I, doing the science experiment thing. Yeah, I had the yeah eight eight pounds lost uh, from you know, naked before the race and naked after the race. So that was, uh, that was a record for, for me. And so we, we finished that study, uh, basically the university of Florida's, uh, you know, measuring a couple guys throughout the year in different scenarios, uh, based off of outside temperature. Are you wearing a cool shirt? Are you not? Uh, they measure your heart rate. They measure your, you know, all kind of internals They have a swallow pill where kind of a chest strap and their take data and they'll, they'll give us a kind of a, and they also put a salt patch on my arm just to kind of show us how what's the best way for us to rehydrate. Uh, are we a salty sweater or not? I'm really not. So I don't need to be taking in a bunch of junk. Really, water is sufficient. Would a cool shirt affect any of those stats? Like, you would have lost eight pounds regardless if you wore a cool shirt. Yeah, I, from what I understand, the cool shirt uh, reduces your inner core temperature by about a degree and a half. So not, not a ton, but some, it would have made you a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. I I felt fine. I mean, there was, I felt totally fine. It's, you know, it's just something about the daytime and humidity that really kind of, if it gets, you know, 90, 
really we kind of set the bar at about 90 plus that I'll wear the cool shirt. Anytime it's below that, I won't. Um, it's just a little bit of weight in the car. I mean, car's 35 or 3,600 pounds now, whatever it is, you know, it's just a couple pounds. So it's not a game changer, but we just like to get every advantage we can. But I don't know, probably doesn't do anything. Before we got to racing, we had a, a big announcement. Kurt Busch officially has retired. Yeah, um, I love it and I hate it for Kurt. Uh, you know, certainly he had his career cut short, shorter than what he wanted for sure. Um, really happy for him though to you know be able to announce this and you know kind of get the pressure of are you going to come back? Are you going to come back off of his shoulders? Uh, he's been a great asset to twenty three eleven. As you know, we've uh, he's still been working with the team this year. He will be working with the team again next year. Um, so we have him under contract still to, uh, you know, be hit our, is it C, C, F, no, chief, chief fund operator. director. Yeah. Yeah. C yeah. Chief fund director. CFO. <laughs> exactly. Um, so he's, uh, he's been a valuable asset. He's around the racetrack. You'll see him still here and there and, um, interacting a lot with our, you know, our cup drivers and, He's just valuable because he's, you know, he's a great manager of races. Um, he's, he's the veteran that can help our young guys continue to help with their learning curve. And he sees things now from the outside perspective. So he can certainly, um, you know, be a valuable asset to not only them, but to us as well. Um, you know, he can say, hey, I see this car doing that. Uh, we're so focused at 2311, our engineers and our crew chiefs and our drivers on our cars that sometimes you overlook other cars. And so he's checking out all that stuff. So there was a funny moment before the race, um, standing on the grid, you were talking to, to Gabe Hart and Kurt had come over and he was kind of just standing there for a moment waiting to get a moment. And then he turned to you and both you and Chris put your hands out for a handshake <laughs> and obviously Kurt can only pick one of them. So he shakes Gabe Hart's hand and you kind of just, Oh, I was going here for the spoiler anyway. Oh really? Yeah. I, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. You went out for a handshake. He, he left me hanging. He left, yeah. He went to Chris, left you hanging and you kind of just were like, well, I was going to go here for the spoiler anyway. Just kind of play it off. Oh man. Josh Harris would have never done that to me. Yeah. Kurt. He chose Gabe Hart? Oh, yeah. man. So I have a picture of Kurt reaching his <laughs> hand out and you and Gabe Hart. I like this. <laughs> I got to see it. Yeah. I got to see it. Uh, yeah, so that's cool. But we, um, yeah, it was a, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I was wrong. I was wrong. That I, I called for chaos, wrecks all over the place. Eh? There's a couple. I can tell you for 70% <laughs> for of that race, I sure was hoping for some wrecks. Sitting there riding in the back, just waiting on a caution, and it never comes. It, it's become very predictable that you're going to run too wide for the majority yeah. of each stage, and then with five or so to go, guys are going to get a little more anxious, and that's when something's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there was a point that I pulled out of the pack. Um, you know, I bailed on the pack because I was three wide bottom, and this is when the action was actually getting pretty dicey. It was three wide by three wide for a bunch of rows. And I'm, I'm trapped on the bottom. So I can't go anywhere. I'm not going to go forward. I can't go to the side. I can't. I got someone pushing me from behind. And I just was like, I don't have the track position I really want. So I'm just going to bail here and, and count on a wreck about to happen and eliminate myself from the odds of being in it. 
and it just never happened. And then we had a pit road penalty under green, which you just cannot have. And I then just watched the race for the rest of the race. I'm just in the back of the pack. Just, you know, I, I don't, I can't get in the middle of it. I mean, it's just stupid. I did that one time. I thought that I'd be a hero and get my lap back naturally. Like up at Talladega, this is a couple years ago. It was the only laps I did not complete in 2021, I think it was. 20 or 21. It's when at Talladega, I went and lap down for some, I don't know. I might have sped on pit road. So I had a penalty. And I said, oh, that's fine. They want to give me a penalty? I'm going to get this back the, the hard way. I'm going to go through the pack. And I got to like third or fourth place in on position. And then... I got wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I went a couple laps down from there and, and that was the only lap so we didn't complete that year. I remember that because your quote after the race, you did something stupid to, to go a lap down, but you're like, I'm just going to lay my <laughs> on the table and, and get it back the old fashioned way. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not a good choice. So when you're a lap down on a speedway, it's silly for you to go up there and race, especially when I was on my own lap. I mean, you must have heard on the radio a ton of times. You're on your own lap. We just need a caution, <laughs> any caution. I'm like, surely these guys are going to wreck. I mean, and then they decided to go single file, you know, for 30 of the last 40 laps. And I'm just thinking, are these guys really in 15th place thinking they're going to win the race from their position running single file? But they did get dicey, just no one wrecked. And then you get a caution and you're oh, Well, we, we finally got a caution. And <laughs> of course, the 45 had enough damage. He was so slow that he ended up getting the lucky dog right before I did. So it was uneventful for me. I was just a fan watching the race for most of the day. Um, we did have a shot to win stage one. Uh, we got through the pack pretty quickly. Started 19th. Um, we got with our Toyota teammates pretty early, and we were all running one, two, three, four, five. And it's like, wow, this is going right to script um and at the end of the rate at the end of the stage the outside line at the end of stage one was it was coming on riley herps was leading it and the inside lane was kind of getting jumbled up like tires are getting hot and you know you're having to lift a little bit more so the outside lane starts coming well i'm looking and it's a couple laps ago coming to the white i go ahead and pull up in front of riley and I certainly, on hindsight, it's like I had the 19 behind me. The best thing to do at that point was at least try to gain a point on him to keep myself in the, the battle. But I'm trying to go for the stage win. Did you I, really think I the guess, top line was going to win the stage? Well, they had just came from 10th on the outside and just picked off row after row after row. And finally, on the white flag lap, they were, they were up beside us so they, they had the moment momentum because bell got separated from truex and that was yes. the story was the the third car if they got too far back from the yeah. second it lost the power and that's what happened the top lane was moving forward so i mean again it's hindsight but ultimately i made the wrong decision trying to go up and block riley versus um and then when he got shucked by the four i'm like oh no the top line's gonna be dead like as soon as the four made decision well i'm shucking riley here it's, it's whatever row 
decides that they're not going to get disorganized or, or decides they're, they're going to get disorganized, that line's going to be dead. Instantly. Right. Which always seemed like it was going to be the top line because you have yeah. the Toyotas in a row in the bottom. If you just park yourself in front of Truex, you're going to finish. Well, one that's spot in front easy of to say now, Jared, right? I don't know. You're right. Can easy to say. Yeah, you're right. To go. I get, I'll give it to you. You're right. I, I agree. I didn't even know if I was ever clear. And then I looked at the replay and I was like, oh, for, yeah, 75% of the back straightaway, I was clear to pull down back in front of the 19. I just didn't. Um, I mean, my brain watching. I mean, that- and, and you got to realize, too, from my perspective, I'm I'm mirror driving, right? I'm straight up just looking up or looking at my camera, trying to follow the 36 and stay in front of him because I hear that the top line's got a huge runoff of two. The, the, the bottom lane was still you know, separated, but getting organized. Like, listen, this is like a yo-yo effect. If you get disorganized on the bottom because someone bobbles, eventually they all pack back up, especially on the last lap. They're going to get more aggressive pushing. I just, I just messed up and had a brain lapse of like the bottom lane, at least you can't go anywhere. Like if you're on the bottom line, there's no chance really for anyone to pull out. Like you've got the yellow line on the inside of you. So that's a bear, that's essentially like a wall. They can't go that way. And then they've got the top lane down on their door. So they can't go to the right. They can't go to the left. Can't go to the right. It, I, I sh- the lapse of judgment surely should have stayed in front of the 19 probably. Well, would have won the stage, but we didn't. And you know, that pretty much at that point, I'm like, well now, you know, Truex gained five more points on me and it's, it's unattainable. So that's why I pulled out of the pack during that crazy moment. Cause I was like, well, now I just need to focus on trying to win the race versus trying to gain points on Truex, which is why I chose to give up track position during that middle stage. Were you not concerned besides not winning the stage? Were you not concerned in those moments of your move going back to the top, just being a little too late and then getting hooked and put in the fence? There was a couple times. I don't know if I was clear. I think Riley maybe have gave me a break there. I need to. I need to check that for sure. It seemed watching it in live. Was time, that late? It seems like you asked for a break a couple times. Really? Like, I mean, I'm kind of at the mercy of what Rick Allen's saying on TV, and huh. he goes, "Oh, late block by Denny Hamlin." <laughs> uh, I. It's kind of what I. I believe it. I believe it. Um, man, it's just it's so quick you got to be quick with those moves and sometimes when you're indecisive and you what you'll do as a driver is if you don't if you're not sure you'll go halfway up and then see if that person's just still coming or are they are they like did their momentum stop if their momentum stopped you're like okay i'm clear to go ahead and keep going here or not (laughs) exactly you're gonna let me in or not uh but thanks to right if he did cut me a break thank you i appreciate that um uh, he, yeah, he was fast. He had a good run going. Um, I don't know where he finished, but uh, he was he was strong leading that outside line. It was pretty impressive, and they qualified super well as, as well. I wonder was that a? I wonder if that was a Stuart Haas car or a front row car. Thirty six wasn't it a front row car. You can put a number on anything. <laughs> it qualified honestly. When you think about it, it qualified like a Stuart Haas car, right? Like where they qualified versus. Well, nobody qualified like a front row car. <laughs> McDowell was way back then. Yeah, I talked to him after, uh, I don't know, sometime after qualifying before the race. And he was like, man, we just, we want to check it out, but NASCAR won't let us. You know, we got to present something that's broke uh, 
uh, or we got to prove something is is not right, but we we don't know until we look at it. But they won't let us look at it. So I didn't see. I, man, this could be. I didn't see McDowell all day. Did he race okay? Well, Riley finished thirty eighth. Hey, he got in a wreck. Yeah. Uh, McDowell, give me that thirteenth. Okay. Uh, how how did Gillen do? Thirty second. Oh, another wreck. Yeah, so it seemed like his car must have been fine, but you didn't really see McDowell up front like you normally did. So maybe his car did have some issues that made it slower. He's usually always a guy that's going to be up front yeah, on I, the super speedway. So. In hindsight, great job by McDowell winning the Indy Road course. Oh, yeah. That was, that was it. He had to have it, right? Had to have it, got it done. Racing season is well underway, and it's time to go full throttle. Feel the excitement of every lap like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $150 in bonus bets instantly, no matter what goes down at the track. Before placing your bets, make sure to check out Dirty Mo Doe and their DraftKings 5 Bets to Watch. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now with code DENNY. New customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code DENNY only on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For state-specific disclaimers, check the show notes. 21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com backslash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com dot com slash auto racing terms terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash auto racing terms what else was interesting we we saw during a red flag kazowski um doing uh donuts in the in the uh on the back stretch i first i i asked my crew chief i said what is he doing? Isn't he? It's a red flag. Isn't he supposed to be stopped? That's what I'm wondering. Are you even allowed to? To I didn't think so. I didn't. I don't. I don't think you're. You're not supposed to be moving. Like which is why they even say they don't even let you catch up to the field. So did they just kind of? Hey, he might be on fire, so we're gonna let this one go. But certainly by the letter of the law, Kazowski shouldn't have been moving. Um, you know, even, so what they'll do is even when they throw a red flag, wherever you are, you stop. It's like, you ever seen sprint car races, right? Wherever they're at, they're just, they, it, the red comes out, it's, you hit the brakes and you stop in your position where you're at. Um, I guess he thought he had something burning underneath. Even Alex Bowman, I, I think I heard him say that, uh, Kozlowski, his, the underside was on fire. And what Kozlowski said is that, Hey, I'm, if I sat there it was going, the fire was going to get worse. So I was just trying to dissipate it. Yeah, I guess what he, this, what he could have done is just run through the grass. That would have killed it. That would have killed any, any fire right away. He said the smoke was billing. This is what he tweeted, by the way. The smoke was billing fast around my feet. No, I had to do something. The red in the ECU gets clearer with every second as the fire is going out and smoke dissipates. Hold on. The ECU gets what? Clearer. How does he know that? I don't know. What's ECU? Well, that's a little thing that's on the dash. Maybe he saw smoke. Oh, okay. He said he saw smoke in the car. So he's looking at the light in the ECU probably, and it's 
getting clear as in he's able he to see, see these. it better. Yeah. I guess. As the smoke dissipates. Hmm. Yeah, he said it came out of the left front rocker panel. Uh, okay. So did anyone actually put out the fire or did it just die? It just died on its he, own head. I think he <laughs> So did, many donuts. Yeah, stop, drop, and roll of, in <laughs> Talladega <apartment>. Nights. <laughs> Effectively. <laughs> All right. Well, it uh it was a winning move for RFK. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't can't hate on that. Um so we had that red flag for that was a big one at the end of stage two, where that was the really the only mate major wreck that involved other cars, lots of other cars. Then at the end of the race, we saw the priest incident where he made the uh, it was the most incredible barrel roll I've ever seen. I mean, I, I finally got to watch the replay as you know again I'm, I'm just in the back of the pack not doing shit. it's under yellow and i'm cruising around and they start to play the replay on the big screen and there's we used to have a big screen on the back stretch when we had stands there and now there's like a big there's four big screens starting from off turn four all the way into turn one so they start to play it and and so i'm driving and i'm looking through the winning net and i'm and i'm looking and seeing this him turn and start to flip and i'm like oh wow he got some good air oh no i mean as soon as his heart car hit the grass it i don't think i've ever seen one have that many rotations in the air i mean not since um I mean, a right, u.s right? gymnast have i seen that many barrel rolls before making contact holy cow I mean, we got news that Ryan's out of the hospital on his way to Charlotte now, so it seems like he's fine. We get, he got a tweet from him last night, so I think he's going to be okay, so we can comment on it. But holy, that thing was violent. That was the most violent barrel roll I've ever seen. Usually, you've seen in the old days when the cars would barrel roll, it would be a little bit slower. The car would dissipate more. His car really kind of stayed together except for the roof hatch and the winnet. Yikes. Um, was he the one that was with the Kyle Larson big destroy Talladega? Remember when the door bars and was he the one that power drove Larson? Is there him or Busher? I think it was Priest, right? I think it was Priest. I feel like it was Priest and Larson. So Priest is essentially our crash test dummy for the next year. Yeah, it was Priest. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep, man. It, it so he's that taking was two a, good licks this year. That's that was that was just an incredible visual wreck. I'm sure. I I don't know. I, it's hard for me to put myself in that position to feel what he felt, and I was looking to see like he was very lucky to to not when he hit the ground each time that it would. So he would hit he the car grabbed, went up, started twisting well then when it comes back down you don't want it to land flat on anything and he was very lucky that when the car first made when a car made contact again for the second time to the ground it was kind of like on the corner of the car and it kept rolling and then so then it twisted more 
the next contact, again, kind of on the side of the car. So he never really had, and I don't want to downplay this, he never had one where, bam, it lands flat on, on, on the base of the wheels. That would have, he would have risked. Like Bowman's injury, right? Correct. He would have risked kind of a spinal compression fa- fracture there if he would have landed dead flat on his wheels, especially with the how rigid the bottom of these cars are. Once you've blown the tires out, um, you know, these, these things are going to land flat on the, on the stops and it's going to be harsh. So luckily it looked like all of his limbs stayed in the car. Nothing big came in the car, even though he was very, very exposed. We, we have to figure that one out. Um, but man, this was a incredible wreck that NASCAR surely is going to diagnose in the R and D center to figure out what we can do better. I'm curious are you we, – we see in wrecks like, like Blaney's, which I guess we're, we'll, we'll get to um, shortly here, is that you go you, – you hit the wall, your body goes forward, right? Does your body move up and down in the car at all? Because he didn't land flat on his wheels, but he did land pretty flat on the roof. So, like, is there any movement where, like, your head could hit this? Yeah, but, but let's just say you land on your roof, right? there's enough stretch in your belt that, you know, you're, everyone's pulled tight, right? But you're not, it's not a limiting factor. You still have some compression to go up, right? You have, you have a way to go up. Just Is there ever any, um, worry that if you were to land flush on your roof, that your head is hitting the top of whatever, uh, in this case? Yeah. I mean, the, the halo bar where the wind net is for some odd reason was designed. It's closer to the driver's head than what our previous car was. It's, you know, it's more sturdy, but it's without a doubt, it's closer to our head. You can't argue that fact. Um, I don't know how that bar responded to this wreck. I, you know, I need to look at more pictures of it and, and I'm sure we'll get to see that. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, there's a concern. Absolutely. Your head, you know, I know when I put on my helmet, I have to be very careful not to unlatch the roof hatch. So it's close. I actually, I did it during the uh, test at Charlotte, uh, one of the very first next-gen tests. I put my helmet on, and so I leave my helmet and my Hans connected together. I don't put them on separately. Yep. I, I, I put the Hans over, my, over the back of my neck, and when I did that, it unlatched the hatch, okay. and the hatch blew off the first lap of testing. So I noticed I was like, "Man, it's sunny in here!" Like I had a like a moonroof. It was it it came right out. It was, I mean, let me tell you that hatch is not. I mean, does that mean it that is not rigid? Does that mean there's a chance that on this first? I'm watching the crash back on Twitter that on this first impact when he lands on the roof that he does unhook it and that's why it flies off? No, I think more than likely the compression when the when the top of the car started crushing. Mm-hmm. Um you know what? This is like the Tupperware. Remember the top of the Tupperware when you cr- you know, my mom couldn't get the top of the Tupperware off. It's, it's so I'm it's, like, it's mom, a plastic just, container by the way. <laughs> right, I know, but just squeeze the bottom and the top will pop off. Yeah. It's the same it's the, Travis is laughing. Do you don't think it relates? 
I mean, I get it, but I've never had trouble getting the lid off the Tupperware container before. Well, give my mom a break. She, you know, she, she had a very tough time. She's like, and she, she's in the motorhome. She's like, look at this trick Danny taught me. You just got to squeeze the bottom. Well, we're mi- you're, so leaving, what I'm we're, we're, you're leaving out a, a, a very crucial part of the story. What? Yes, this did happen. She was like, look at this trick that Denny taught me. And then she squeezes it and the top does not pop off. And she has to pry it off. And it's like, well, f- Denny was wrong again. Well, that's the story. That Tupperware <laughs> in particular was. So it I was it was in the one where I'm sorry that it doesn't have a tab on the outside of the Tupperware. We're getting so off track, but I need to be clear on this. It's the Tupperware the where the top insets into the Tupperware. So there's very little tab, right? It's like a, the the seal is on the inside, not on the outside. Yeah. If you go to Publix and buy your Just squeeze it, boom, pops off. Yeah. That's what happened, I think, to his repatch is that his, the top of the car hit the ground, compressed it, boom, popped out the repatch. Because there, if, if you saw the repatch and like how it's secured, it's, it's, I mean, we're going to add another hundred pounds to this car. This thing's going to weigh 4,000 pounds before you know it with all this bars and we're going to add, I guarantee the, you know, the roof hatch is going to be all metal now instead of aluminum. Like this thing's going to weigh just so much. It's ridiculous. We got to have a next gen 2.0 soon. Um, it's, it's very flimsy. It's, it's flimsy. I mean, we always check right before I go out that like, Make sure that this thing is this aluminum hatch device is is secured. So I think that the Tupperware top popped off his roof hatch. It's my opinion. I'm I'm watching the video and I just can't like I like I can't stop watching it. It's just I it's it you know on Talladega Nights when Ricky Bobby flipped down the back stretch, you knew that like, oh well they blew that they blew that wreck up they made it more dramatic than what we really crashed that was they couldn't create something as exciting or crazy as that was right i mean not if you drove you couldn't drive that thing off a ramp and get more air than that car got yeah and it helped the video helps that he's going through the grass because all the grass is flying in the dirt and everything and it adds yeah. to the I, I know the drivers have been really on this for a long time but getting rid of the grass um I guess I'm in that camp for sure. Certainly the car doesn't bite as much as it would if it was on, you know, it, it's not going to change it from getting air. The car is going to get it. It was going airborne way before grass. Um, it's just the grass made it bite. And then that's when it caused it to twirl in here. Mm, so, so when it comes back down the first couple yeah. impacts. Yeah. Got it. So what's going through like your mind then when you're just sitting there and then like, to go from that and then to a restart, like what's going through a driver's mind? Well, what's going through my mind is different than what was going through the other 35 guys' mind. Um, I was just sitting there thinking, man, I need y'all to wreck one more time because the 45 just got the lucky dog and I'm still sitting back here just watching the race the entire time. But at that point I started looking at the scoreboard because obviously my interests shift into, well, what's going on? Who's going to win this race, right? Is Bubba going to get in or not? And I look in the top four, 
were race winners, previous race winners from this year. And I'm like, is someone in a green white checkered really going to win this from row three? Mm, probably not. I, I, I thought the odds were favorable as long as another caution didn't come. So what my thought was, was I took the green and I saw green lights and I'm laying back just enough to be able to avoid it if it crash happened, but I was still close enough to be able to see it out my windshield to watch the racing. And I'm just thinking, stay green, stay green. Like once it got to the white, especially, and I knew my race was over and I wasn't going to get back on lead lap. I'm thinking just stay green and six push at 17 as much as you can. So, but for the competition, they put it out of their mind pretty quick. Honestly, there, there's not really much they're just thinking how are they going to improve their position or give themselves a shot to win while we're on the accident topic let's go back to that that first one real quick the one that caused the red flag right the one you were in that you were close to to getting through um you saw the replay what did you you make of that on how it happened and then the accident itself blaney's impact is pretty incredible yeah i didn't see did seabell make contact with ty or did he just get loose i it was a he was pushing push in the corner just can't push in the corner i mean i think we all should know by now you just cannot you can't push in the corner with these cars it's just the track is just too slick especially turn 4 is by far the slickest corner that we have at daytona i i don't know why, why. maybe the corner's slightly tighter than what it is off to i'm not sure but turn four has always been the slickest corner that we've got um, on super speedways. And you just can't push. You just cannot push as long as you're in a corner. Um, I think when, if the track was 40 degrees cooler, maybe we get away with it. But the teams just have made the cars, they've got less downforce and less drag than they've had when we first initiated this first came out with this car so it just they're just on edge more you know we're putting them on the edge more with our setups and stuff like that so I mean I get it they were pushing you know trying to come to the line but it's just a stage like it's not not the end of the world um and yeah you saw the the 54 you know get pushed from the 20 so he got out of shape and then it hooked the the 12 in a Man, tough spot. Wow. Did you see the wall deflect? Yeah. I, it's, that was it's, crazy. It's pretty incredible. We talk about the, the, you know, the safety and all that of this next-gen car, but it's pretty incredible that this same accident more or less occurred 22 years ago, and there's a massive difference in the result. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, yeah, it's hard to you know, equate you know, are the impacts the same? Is one more than the other? Certainly the safety innovations that we've, that the, that come up with the, the Hans being the number one thing. I mean, I don't know if the Hans are the safer barriers. I would say probably the, probably the Hans, but it's close. Uh, you know, just the head neck restraint in general has, has changed the game and, and certainly made it more safer as far as a uh, fatal impact is concerned. But, I mean, Blaney's taken some massive hits in the wall in the next gen. Uh, Lucky for us, we've got to hear him talk in an interview afterwards. So, 
uh, it's tough. I, these things are these things are tough. I mean, they did his car did deflect more certainly from the changes that NASCAR's made with the front clip to make them compress more. Um, that certainly probably helped his impact over what the first iteration of next gen was. So it's getting better, but yeah, that's one of those worst case scenario type type things where you're driving in a corner and you get sent the other way. Um, that's, it's a bad one. It's also one of those wrecks we've talked about on the show a handful of times that these wrecks are more and more coming from the front of the field. Yep. Yeah. It's just, I mean, Blaney was leading the race. Yeah. I mean, I know for a really long time, the, the worst statistical place to be in the field was seventh to eighth. That typically was the first where the first part of the wreck would get uh, started. And as we've gone to this two by two type of racing with next gen, the number is like two and three. It's it's at the front. So there is no place to hide anymore except for the very back. But if you're in the very back, you lose track position. And unless the field clears itself out, you're not going to win. And when I decided to bail, it was because I assumed the field would clear itself out to be, I don't know, 10 runnable cars. That's, you know, been pretty typical at that track in, in the, uh, in the summer race. So if it's 10 cars, then I absolutely, I can kind of weave my way through there and have a shot to win. But I just, I wanted to not be part of the 26 that got in a wreck, but we never had, we never saw that extra big one that we had except for stage one or stage two. Do you ever see these wrecks and the impacts and think, man, what am I doing? Why am I out here? <laughs> Uh, sure. Sometimes. I mean, Charlotte really did it for me. That was the toughest one that I had in next gen, eh, pro probably ever. That one rung my bell quite a bit. I was really sore for a full week. Uh, I still have some lingering effects from that in my foot. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's, this thing is, this car is brutal when it comes to those, those impacts, but it, it's what we got right now. How close were you from not getting caught up in that accident? I was clear. Somebody, somebody hooked me in the right rear. Um, you know, I was in the lucky dog position too, which would change would have changed the race for us. But you know, I normally I'd be further back, but I wasn't in that moment because I was racing JJ Yaley, who I brought back to me. So we were spread out, and you constantly heard us on the radio. I'm like, he was he had I'd lost the draft because I had to come back in. He had lost draft for whatever reason. And so he was 20 lengths behind me and falling back. I thought the best opportunity for me to not go a lap down was I said, well, I'm going to slow down, bring him back to me. And then possibly we won't go. Neither one of us will go a lap down, but I don't want him to get to the pack first and blend into the pack. And then boom, he's right past me. Bam. He's got, he's the lucky dog. So, I, would, I wanted to blend in the pack with him versus letting him get in the pack first. Um, and unfortunately, you know, he, even still being right behind me, blended and we were side by side at the time. So we were going to be racing side by side to the line for the lucky dog. But we had to put ourselves in the middle of this storm off of turn four where normally I'd been the single car one lap down all day where I could lay back. I didn't because I was actually racing someone. And I think we both got, where'd JJ finish? He must've got in the wreck because I didn't see him the rest of the race. Maybe not.
But anyway, but there was no lucky was. dog that that caution because I think all of us were in the wreck. Yeah. So nineteenth. Oh, maybe not. He survived. Yeah, he was running, and he got back on the lead lap. Oh, he must have got the lucky dog then. So he must not have been in the wreck. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because you would have got it, but because uh, you were in the accident, you didn't get it. But, but hang on. There was no other caution to give lucky, a lucky dog. So he must have not been caught up in that. So he got it. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. that. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, that's what kind of was the downfall of us. But, but yeah, I, you know, I thought the racing was kind of predictable. There was one moment there where it was the field was three by three. But other than that, you know, we've seen these wrecks start from further up front than ever because it's too wide and you just can't pass anyone in that instance. And, and anyone, the reason we stay too wide is these cars have so much drag on them that if we go like the Harvick situation at the end of stage one, if someone pulls out of that single line, it's going to kill the entire line. So, you know, the old package that we had on super speedways had a ton less drag. Now, they had less horsepower, but they had a lot less drag. So what would, what I think would be better is to get some of the drag out of these cars and reduce the horsepower, but then the engine builders have got to build a whole new package for 350 horsepower, whatever they were back in the day, you know, back in a few years ago. But they wanted to run the same 600 horsepower or 650, whatever we're running. Uh, it might be 550, but... They didn't want to have a bunch of different engine packages. So this is just another instance of where engines and efficiencies and cutting costs is hurting the racing product because it's it's just not it's not good for competition. And so we're the tail is wagging the dog once again on this. Is Coke Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? I know that's a bold question. But it's got that irresistible taste to back it up. Well, one thing's for sure, when you've got an irresistible match like zero sugar and zero calories, something sensational is bound to happen. It's like when me and my co-host Jared team up to make a podcast. It's too bad you can't taste with your ears because Coke Zero Sugar tastes so amazing, it's hard to put it into words. But hey, that's my job, at least on Mondays. You have to taste it for yourself. Coke Zero Sugar, the best Coke ever. Some of the more noteworthy news of the night, Bubba gets in the playoffs. We see Chris Buescher win. This is his third win, so we don't have a new winner. And Bubba is the 16th, 16th and last driver in the playoffs. Yeah, really happy for him. Um, I know that he's been super stressed over the last few weeks. And, you know, I think this is a test. You know, he's battle-tested now. I think Bubba's, uh, he earned his spot in the playoffs. He did it through, you know, performing better than he ever has. Um, he's He's getting stage points and contending more top tens, more top fives. So he certainly has deserved his place in the playoffs. And I'm excited to see where that 23 team goes um, in, in the playoffs. I think the tracks actually lay out very nicely for him. Um, but yeah, it's, this is, this is a big deal. And, you know, for the 17 car winning three races in the last, I don't know, five or six, man, it's, they're, they're on a roll. They, they're, they now are put themselves as the four seed in the playoffs, only four points behind us. So three wins for the 17 car. I mean, he's running consistent and good enough where he can make a deep run as well. So I think at the, 
I, I listened to comments from RFK and about like, you know, I think we're deep. We could make a deep run. You know, we're we gonna make the final four. Eh. But like, I think their their goals have shifted. I really do. I think that at big at the beginning they were probably saying we can make it to the final eight. I think that's possible. I think now they might be shifting to we can make it to the final four. Yeah, yeah. they they certainly have the playoff points to get there. Yeah, and if they continue to run consistently i'm just so fascinated um every race when the 17 pops up at the front of the pack the six is right there behind them <laughs> i mean it's it's uncanny yeah yeah they're they they run together you know whatever the performance of one is the other uh that's good that's good teamwork that's good execution in the race shop so um you know that's that's good to see back to bubba it's got to feel good um, getting into the playoffs, but also especially on a night that, that Michael Jordan is there. Yeah. Yeah, I knew Michael was coming, and certainly he wanted to be a, a supporter. Um, you know, it's close to home for him. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump uh, when you hop on the plane and be there. But it uh, was great for him. I saw that, you know, kind of the Dwight and a couple of other guys that, that came with him, Ken from the Grove was there as well. Uh, it You know, all of those guys going up to Bubba and showing the appreciation and, and gratitude for, for getting that 23 car in the playoffs is, it was awesome. And, uh, certainly I wanted to pay my respects as well to kind of say thank you for, and, and he deserves it. And now go out there. You've been battle tested. You went these last three weeks having to go through two road courses and a super speedway and try to hold a lead and you did it. So now there's only, there's only one place to go for him now. It's up. Like, He's got nothing to lose from this point forward. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, this is going to be an exciting playoffs. I think we got the field is tighter than probably it's ever been. At the request of a few friends of mine, Travis, I've actually, I want to do a new segment called NASCAR 101. Because when we talk about playoffs, a lot of people don't understand if you're not an avid NASCAR fan, like what is the NASCAR playoffs? How does it work? You know? Well, I want to explain this, and this segment, by the way, is NASCAR 101. is presented by Birch Gold Group, and if you want to learn more about Birch Gold Group and get a free info kit, you can text Denny to 989898. So what we're going to explain is kind of now that the NASCAR playoffs are starting, here's how it's going to work. There are 16 drivers, and uh, we have now been seeded based off of how many playoff points we've earned through the regular season. So this is very similar to the FedEx Cup in golf where when you win events, you go up the standings and then you start the final event at East Lake with a lead. Now, when we get to the final, we're not there will be no lead. There'll just be four drivers. So we have 10 weeks and every 3 weeks we're going to cut off the bottom four drivers in the standings. So right now, the bottom four is Bubba Wallace, Kevin Harvick, Ricky Stenhouse, and Michael De McDowell. McDowell is minus one from the cut line, so he's minus one from the 12th position, which is Ryan Blaney. Ricky Stenhouse is minus three. Kevin Harvick is minus four. Bubba is minus eight. So Bubba started the playoffs. He starts the playoffs with 2,000 points. He's the bottom guy. He hasn't. The reason he's at 2,000 means he doesn't have any stage wins which gives you one point so if he had one stage win he would be 
um, he'd have 2001. And if he had a, a race win, he would have 2005. Each race win gives you five bonus points that you carry into the playoffs. So since Bubba doesn't have any and he just pointed his way in, he has 2,000 points. Kevin Harvick doesn't have a race win but has four stage wins, so he starts with 2,004. Ricky Stenhouse won the Daytona 500. He has 2,005. Um, so that's his five points. And Michael McDowell has won two stages and a race, which is seven total points. That's the points they have. Ryan Blaney has 2,008, which is why he's one point up. So after three races, what we're going to do is we're going to eliminate the bottom three. So now we all go racing. Bottom four. Bottom four. Sorry. The bottom four get eliminated after three weeks. Then we reset the points again. So whoever makes it. So this is basically a three race season that we're about to have. We're going to cut off the bottom four, then reseed them based off of the playoff points. Just like we started, if, if no one were to win a race or win a stage in the playoffs, the points would then reset to these exact same numbers. So William Byron would go back to the top. Wherever he was, as long as he stays in the top 12, these next three weeks, he's going to go back to the top with Martin Truex. Now, they can earn more and add to their total that carries into each round. But, you know, it, this, this, let's just say the bottom four, these four guys are gone. So now Ronnie, R Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Tyler Reddick, Brad Kozlowski are now in the danger zone in the next round. Then you got to put yourself in the top eight to make it to the next round. And then once again, um, you know, make it to the final four for the final race. So each three, we're cutting off four. So that leaves four drivers for the final race. One thing you need to understand, though, it does not matter how many points you have if you win in a round you are automatically going to the next round so Bubba Wallace let's just say could be still 16th in points after two of these three races but if he wins that last playoff race doesn't matter what his points were bam he goes to the next round so um, there's a lot of different factors in this so basically win and you're in you'll hear that a lot on TV win and you're in just win and you're going to find yourself in the next round of the playoffs. I can't remember. It was two years ago that I didn't have a win until the I won the very first race of the first round, moved on. Then won the very first race of the second round, moved on. So I really had five stress-free weeks. Pretty, it was, it was pretty easy. Um, so this is how it's going to start. Um, just to let you know where the, the rankings are, William Byron has 2036. He and Martin Truex are ranked number one at 2036. I am in third at 2025. Chris Buescher has 2021. Kyle Busch, 2019. Kyle Larson, 2017. Christopher Bell, 2014. Ross Chastain, 2011. Brad Keselowski, 2010. Tyler Reddick, uh, 2009 points, Joey Logano, 2008, Ryan Blaney, 2008. Those are the guys in currently if we started the next round now. Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse, Kevin Harvick, Bubba Wallace have to dig their way out of the bottom four over these next three weeks. So um, we set our final four predictions <clears throat> 
I'm going to stick with what I said months ago about the Final Four. Um, I had the 24, the 19, the 11, and the 5 in the Final Four. I don't see that changing. <clears throat> it definitely, the likelihood of those actually being the Final Four is low. We always see someone in the top eight seeds going into the playoffs stumble in the first round and not make it. Who would be your most, let me ask you this here, who would be the most likely in the top eight to not make it out of the first round? We have Darlington, Kansas, Bristol. In the top eight. Well, I think for the guy, whoever this is, who doesn't make it out, I don't think it's necessarily going to be based on performance. Nope. It's usually something just happens. That's right. And looking at these that's, eight numbers. That's why they don't make it, typically. Right. You know, the, really, the first round is, is execution-based. Like, you know, don't have any major blow-ups. You know, that's wrecks and failures and mistakes. The eye test tells me Kyle Busch. Yeah. I always, whenever I'm negative on Kyle or I don't pick him to be in the final, like Kyle Busch fans, they, they come heavy. Uh, I would not disagree with that because he has been hot and cold. I mean, the guy could win all three races and nobody would be surprised. Or he could have you know, mistakes or trouble. I think the tracks lay out too good for him to be the guy who misses in the first round. Um. Man, Chris Rebell lived on nine lives last year, right? He was he w- he was struggling to make it in like the round of eight, and ended up making the final four because he won. He kept winning because he was so far in the standings. Um, so Bush has five DNFs yep. this year. Larson has six. It's interesting mm. because when I think Kyle Larson, I don't think. I, I, I don't see that. Early in the year, I, I feel I, like he was either he won he or was, he DNF. He was. He was so up and down. It's hard to it's hard to imagine any of those guys not making it, right? But Yeah, but Kyle, Kyle was in the same situation. Was it last year or the year prior? We went into Darlington, and did he blow up at Darlington? <sighs> this is, I'm not hating on him, but I'm, I'm just going to say Ross. Because they just haven't been strong. They don't make. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes, though. Like he doesn't right. get it caught up in a lot of wrecks. That probably counters that argument, right? But Recently, I would say he's been the weakest of this top eight that I'm looking at, for sure. But being a guy that finishes fifteenth, fifteenth, fifteenth is probably he's, gonna, uh, that's good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good enough. Um, so you're going to go with Kyle Busch? I'm going to pick Kyle Busch. Yep. Ah, sheesh. Um, I'm looking at, thinking about the tracks. Either Larson or Ross. Only just because you're, I, I, I don't think, I'll, I'll go on the record and say, I don't think, any of these guys don't make it, but it'd be Larson or Ross. Just simply from the performance perspective of Ross, 
eh, you know, it's just been eh. Other than, you know, his his win at Nashville was dominating. But the Larson up and down, you know, I just think that Larson doesn't have as many playoff points as he's had in the past. Um, so there's there's less room for error there. That's interesting because you just said you're sticking to your Final Four predictions, but picking that guy is I, most likely I, to go. I also said I think they all make it. But if I had to pick one, which I'm clearly not, <laughs> I just – it's hard. I'll, I'll say Ross, but I'm wrong. I, I'm wrong on that. Um, but we'll see. He's only four points up from the cut. Um, I don't see any of the bottom teams outrunning Ross. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be tough for McDowell. There's no road courses here. He's going to need to execute really well. I love doubting McDowell because it fuels him. So I love just I love this playoff talk. There's something to talk about here. I want to hear from social all right. Social media. When you hear this clip, tell me someone in the top eight that will not make it out of the first round. Because we've had it before many times, I think. What's the percentage the fans are gonna say you? Thirty-five percent. What do you think of the so Ross lately has kind of everyone said like the reins have been pulled in. Do you think now that playoffs he might kind of revert a little bit back? To he doesn't need to early. I don't think so. Uh, he doesn't need to. I think he just needs to do what he's been doing. He's fine. Again, like what I say that a lot. I know what Jared's saying is true. Is that it's not going to come from lack of performance by any of these guys. It's going to come from. Who gets caught up in a wreck at Kansas? Who gets, you know, whose wheel falls off at Bristol and goes a couple laps down? Yep. It's just about being consistent. Yeah. And just just doing the little yep. things correctly. So, you know, that is NASCAR 101. We talked a little bit about the NASCAR playoffs, how it works. Uh, what we didn't talk about is when we do get to the final race of the season, the 10th race of the playoffs is it's four guys that are left. So when we talk about cutting four out every three races, that's nine races. That leaves four, and those guys will race heads up in a final race at Phoenix for a chance for a championship. And there's no handicap in it. Once they get there, they they all their points are erased. Points don't matter. It's whatever driver finishes ahead of the other others win the championship and so far you've had to win the race to win the championship so far i want to go in through this format i want to go through this this driver playoff list and just pick out a few names um and get your thoughts on their playoff outlook what they may need to do to advance um through each round and and how far you you think that they'll go starting with all right give me three just give me three okay names and we'll tell you why they will or why they won't won't what make it wherever you wherever we say deep deep in the playoffs okay well, let's start let's start with ricky stenhouse jr why he will he is consistent he finishes very well he's running better than he he's running a career best the best he's ever run through a full season they're putting it all together uh, you're not seeing him have his big 
finishes, big number finishes that he's had. Um, and let's just set the goal at the final eight for Ricky. Okay. The why he will is he's finishing really good, and he's not having the big blow-up races that we're talking about. He's very consistent. Um, I think that that's why he will. Why he won't, not enough stage points. Um, I don't know that he has enough speed or the team has enough speed to qualify in the top five and uh, collect enough stage points to um, make it to the round of eight. Bubba Wallace. Uh, let's set the goal again at the final eight. Why he will, um, he's the opposite of Ricky. He collects a lot of stage points. He qualifies well. And he's, you know, he, you can see, I think he's finished in the low teens pretty consistently over these last six, seven weeks. Why he won't, they fade at the end. They have to figure out how to finish better. Again, he is the polar opposite of Ricky Stenhouse. They flip-flop throughout the race. So he's he, he's ahead of Ricky most of the race, finishes behind. Ricky comes on strong at the end. So I think that that would be the negative for the 23 team is keeping up with the weekend and maintaining track position throughout a race. The lone Stuart Haas racing car, Kevin Harvick. Uh, wow, what do you want to set his goal at? I, I think... Finally, it's probably a good number, right? I think it probably is. I think it'd be a lot to ask that team to make it to the Final Four. If they made the Final Four, what a freaking accomplishment. I mean, that team is not... Now, I'm not singling out the four team, but the team he drives for has been struggling mightily um, all year long. So why he will make it to the Final Four is he's Kevin Harvick. And he has Rodney Childers making the calls. And those two together, they don't, they don't go out easy. And even though he's only got four playoff points, which is the lowest maybe, it's got to be the lowest ever for that grouping of guys, I'm actually pretty freaking amazed he's got four playoff points that he's won stages. I mean, I don't know. Where did he win them? I, I, yeah, you, you don't know, right? Like, when's he been up front? I guess Phoenix earlier this year, right? Um, <clears throat> but I just they they they'll find a way because because he's great, his team's great. You know, that four team, they just they'll find a way. Why they won't? <clears throat> no speed. Just they don't have speed. Um, they've shown glimpses of speed over the last few weeks or so but man you can't continue to just outperform all your other teammates that much that just means there's not enough not enough room for error and speed in your car so I think that they execute better than anyone in the series but if he doesn't make it it's because this is just the slowest four car that we've seen um, since they've been together and one more bonus number, uh, the 11 of Denny Hamlin. What's the goal? A championship. Mm. Wow. All right, championship, why we will. Um, I feel I'm better than I ever have been. Uh, I've got experience. I've got the most playoff points I've had in a couple years. Yeah, probably a couple years. 
Um, I think we're coming in hot. I do. I think that we're peaking at the right time. Um, that gets us into the final four. The tracks lay out very, very nicely for us. Uh, winning Phoenix. I think that our cars are better on the short tracks than they were last year. Um, I think that that was a kind of a downside to our cars. We were very fast on intermediates, just not very fast on short tracks, um, with exception of the very, very short tracks like Martinsville. Um, and I just think that this team's ready. I think our, our pit crews really coming into its own, um, we have every piece of the puzzle together to win a championship. We need some things to fall our way, or let's just say not fall our way. Like, I'm sorry, not go against us. <laughs> don't have ill-time cautions. Don't have crazy things happen. And we absolutely have a shot to win a championship. I, I firmly and truly believe it, that we're better than we've ever been. Um, why we won't? Man, I've just been super unlucky in the course of my career. Uh, I'm the black cat of death when it comes to having bad luck when at the most ill-timed things in the playoffs, crazy things happening. But you can only knock on the door so much before eventually somebody opens it. This is the year. Someone's going to open it. <laughs> I was about to ask, how many more times can someone tweet, this is the year for Denny. This is, this is the year. <laughs> we got it. We'll see. Um, NASCAR 101 segment was brought to you by the Birch Gold Group. The precious metals can be a great way to diversify your savings. So learn more about the benefits with no cost or obligation. Just text Denny to 989898. Speaking of 98, their truck is in trouble. Nine eight, Jeski. <laughs> Big trouble. <laughs> Big trouble, right? They, they confiscated a wheel, tire and wheel. Somebody got, I think, uh, a crew chief or somebody got ejected too. Oh, right? well, people get ejected all the time. But how crazy is it for a tire to be taken? I'm they just found saying, the secret formula. Uh, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, I had heard the same thing in the Cup Series. I ain't going to throw any teams under the bus, but I heard there was some shenanigans going on, which is why they put a new rule in that only air can be in the tire. They don't, they don't just say that out of the blue because they dreamt up somebody was doing something. They saw something that was not right that would have been detrimental, very detrimental to a playoff team's chances. Hmm. Hmm. They better straighten up. You must have picked the wrong numbers because that was not included on the why not of any of those drivers <laughs> I mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we close out here, I have a review from Keegan Beck. They say, I love the show. It's awesome to have a current driver, team owner, give his point of view week in and week out. I do have a Dear Denny question. How do you feel about being approached by fans away from the racetrack? I was at the 2022 Pro-Am Jam event in Charleston, and I saw you from afar, but ultimately decided not to bother you. Um, I don't mind people saying hello. Uh, you, you see me out. I mean, you know, most of the time I'm out, I'm grabbing a bite to eat. I went to the Metro diner in, in uh, Daytona, uh, on race day and, you know, for brunch and, you know, there's, it was filled with race fans and they were all very uh, polite and just said hello and, um, you know, good luck today. So I've noticed like, 
I, I just want to shout out the fans that, I mean, they've been really polite to me. Like, when I'm close and I'm signing autographs, and they're very nice. Like, thank you. You're, you're very nice. You always give a shout-out to the podcast. And where's Jared? You know, hear that about I a thousand that very often, no. Yeah, you're lagging back <laughs> far enough. You don't hear it. But, uh, and again, the, the fans on the other side of the fence that have some distance, uh, they have some other things to say, but... Overall, I, the fan interaction's been really, really nice and uh, appreciate. I I went to the Toyota stage for a Q&A, and man, that I've never seen so much 11 gear. Gaining fans one by one. Yeah, even the Denny Hamlin Sucks t-shirt guy was there. I know. I appreciate him showing up. Um, listen, it, even if they don't like it, they're still, they're still listening. So yeah. appreciate it, uh, Denny Hamlin Sucks guy. He gave me the thumbs up. So back at you, buddy. And uh, hopefully we'll have a successful uh, Southern 500. We've won that thing three times. Going to go make it four this weekend. Reminder to rate, review, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe to Dirty Mo Media on YouTube. Each week we put up a couple of clips. And then on Friday, the full video podcast goes up. See you guys next week. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.